we're not talking about just feeling more. We're talking about opening up more and allowing God into those secret hidden places that maybe we've barricaded. Those parts of us that we are ashamed of, we're afraid to confront. Welcome to Planted and Flourishing, where we dig in one life moment at a time to flourish into our God-given purpose. Welcome to Planet and Flourishing. I am your host, Kristen Andrus, and I am here today with my better half and the other part of this podcast. <laughs> you were worried about what I was going to say right there, weren't you? <laughs> I didn't you? know where you were going with that. <laughs> um, we've been doing a series called The Daily Desert, and so this is going to be the final episode of that. I'm sure we will talk about it um, later on in another episode in in some respect, but um, just this last episode for the Daily Desert, we wanted to give you some resources for the principles that we've been talking about um, with the last three episodes. And so Stephen, if you don't mind, just kind of recap a little bit, or maybe just give us a little glimpse into what got you started on this journey, and then give us some resources for people that are interested into digging deeper into this um, daily desert way of life. Okay. So the daily desert, again, is just the idea that we want to do our best to live the life that Jesus has modeled for us, not just in um, his commandments, but as a practical way of life. So the the daily desert again is from Luke five and 16 that says Jesus often withdrew to the desert or the solitude, the place of solitude, the quiet place. So it's, it's following his patterns, his rhythms to develop healthy rhythms in our uh, fast paced culture. So for me personally, this journey started, I would say, probably about 11 years ago to begin with, when I came across a resource, a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality uh, by Peter Scazzaro. It was the first book that I had ever really read that had anything to do with connecting spiritual and emotional health. And that book was like a light bulb went off for me. I bought the devotional. There's a 40-day devotional. And I would reuse that devotional every year, um, beginning of the year, and go through it. Then took that material and and started using it in various groups. So that was kind of like my first, I guess, awakening to the disconnect personally between my spirituality and my emotional health and just how all that, like God wanted to do a holistic work in my life to really treat my soul. So that's when it started. And then more recently, last year, a friend of mine invited me on this journey of this two-year program through the Soul Care Institute of walking through these practices, learning these practices, um, attending these retreats, and honestly, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Uh, I actually said no at first because we live pretty busy lives. And like a lot Mm -hmm. of people that are listening, they're wondering, how do you do this kind of stuff in today's culture? Mm -hmm. My first reaction was resistance. It was like, I don't have time to do another thing. I don't have time to go slow. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So I looked it up, soulcareinstitute.com, and was intrigued um, at the work they were doing. But when I saw that it was 
three one-week retreats per year for two years, like six retreats total, and then a lot of books to read and a lot of things to practice in between the retreats. I was like, there's no way, like, I can't do this. And when I would share this with people, the question I would get from, from people around me was, do you have margin in your life for this? And my first answer was no. <laughs> Let me tell you about um, Larry. I'm going to call him Larry. Um, so if there is any Larry's listening, this is not you. I'm using a different name. But I was walking with Larry through some of these soul care practices just to help him deal with some past hurts, some past wounds. And because of these past wounds, like you're saying, Larry had become very, very calloused uh, toward people, toward God, very closed off. And in our time together, I would try to pry that open a little bit, just gently move in that area with him of his wounds. And he was very, very quick and very, very skilled at, at um, uh, defending himself and guarding that, that, that soul, that, that vulnerable place in his heart. And for months, it was very, very frustrating work, uh, working with Larry, because I would try to move and I would try to ask him questions and try to just speak to that wounded place. And he would get guarded. He would close up really quickly and use a lot of different defense mechanisms and uh, anger. And he would deflect and he would draw the attention off of himself to another person. He would bring up another person and talk about them or tell their story. Um, Or he would just change the subject with me just bluntly just you know I don't want to talk about this and then bring up something else and Larry I began to watch this beautiful process with Larry as he began to let down some of these walls and God began to heal um, that wounded place in his in his life and not long ago I sat with Larry as he began to share his tears with me And this was so moving for me personally, because I began to think back of how hard and rough he was. And he was, he was a hard, rough man for reasons. He had been through a lot of painful things through his childhood that he had had to learn to, to make it through life. He had had to become very hard to protect himself physically and emotionally. And so in his adult life, now learning to open up and be sensitive and be vulnerable and be open with God and with people was terrifying for him. And all of those defense mechanisms were ways that he could retreat back to safety or back to familiarity. But it was such a beautiful thing to sit with him and to just be present with him and not fix anything. I didn't do anything to fix him, but to allow him to, to experience God's grace and God's mercy and God's goodness in that in that sacred space where he could come out from hiding and feel loved and accepted and worthy in front of God and with God. So these things, these practices we're talking about, they're not just about slowing down and not doing more stuff. This is about exactly what you're saying. It allows us to come out of hiding and face the hurts and the wounds that maybe we have uh, learned to protect ourselves from ever from feeling certain emotions we might feel or behaviors. Um, it allows God into those places. Yeah. 
I think a lot of people listening probably can relate to Larry. Yeah. Not necessarily with, you know, the threat of physical harm. I mean, maybe some people can, Mm. I'm sure in, in this day and age they can, but we can all relate to the callousness of our hearts because I think we've all been there at some point. Um, whether that's been because we've been hurt or whether we just are packing so many things into our life, trying to keep up with the other people mm-hmm. that we're watching, you know, whether that's on social media or whether that's just the neighbor across the street. I think there's a level of callousness that we all have to break through with our soul and our spirit mm-hmm. to be able to really feel the emotions that experiences in our life could bring up for us if we would let them. And how much healthier would we be if we would learn to sit with those emotions and let those emotions come to the top, to Mm -hmm. the surface and sit with them and allow God to work through them and guide us through them to, you know, a healthy place in him. Yeah. That's heart level stuff, right? When we talk about emotions, the soul is the seat of our emotions. It's, it's the core of who we are, the essence of our being. And that's where God touches us and speaks and moves and works is that deep inner soul level emotion work. It's to say that God is not emotional it is uh, you can just pick any chapter in the Bible and you're going to see emotion, whether it's mm-hmm. directly expressed from God or it's, you know, Job lamenting his losses or David crying out in desperation. And um, so many Peter, you know, taking out a sword and cutting off Malchus ear, there's emotion all through the Bible because that's the way God interacts and speaks to us. So it's not, it's not, we're not talking about just feeling more. We're talking about opening up more and allowing God into those secret hidden places that maybe we've barricaded those parts of us that we are ashamed of, we're afraid to confront those pieces of us that we wish that we could hit the delete button and erase or amputate out of our lives. It's inviting God into those places and saying, God, I'm going to slow down long enough for you to really see me. And like Adam and Eve did, I'm going to have to step out of hiding, be known by God and be known by people. And here's what I hear from people that, that, that are kind of walking through this. I've experienced this personally, but I was sitting with a a guy uh, the other day and he was telling me, he says, as I practice these things and he he began to weep as we were sitting together, he said, I'm finding myself feeling compassion for people that I used to hate and different people that he had differences with and disagreements with that he he, um, really disliked. He said, I'm finding myself to, to feel, actually feel compassion and empathy. And he said this with literally, literally with tears in his eyes. What that shows me is that that heart that was hardened and calloused by life and whatever we're taught about not feeling and not expressing things now is being tethered to the heart of God. And what moves God now moves us. And God is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. He was wounded. He was bruised for our pain. So he feels our pain. He senses our pain. He sits in our pain with us. And as we walk this way of Jesus, we also begin feeling those things for ourselves and for other people. 
And I'm sure it takes a lot of practice to be able to feel those feelings to, you know, when we're actually tethered to the heart of Jesus and allow him to awaken things in us that prompts us and moves us to do things for others that we might not would have done before. Yeah. I don't feel like that. And maybe this is completely wrong. And if so, you can tell me, Um, but I don't feel like that's something that we practice as much anymore because of our fast pace. And we're so focused on mine and ours, Hmm. you know, what's immediately in front of us and that callousness doesn't allow us. We might be, you know, reading a scripture every day or, you know, in words, thinking we're tethered to the heart of Jesus, but when we actually are and we start allowing him to move us to that place of extending ourselves to others, you know, feeling the emotions for them, for Mm -hmm. their soul, for what they're going through and having true empathy for them. I can't imagine how freeing that is to be able to, to walk in that way. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be transparent. Like there was a season where I felt like as a therapist, I couldn't see myself doing this long term because it's hard work. It's hard to sit with people's stories and to hear the trauma and to hear the brokenness and to sit with couples whose marriages have been disintegrated by infidelity and, and uh, conflict. That's really hard. It's hard on the human heart, the human soul to sit with that much conflict and trauma. And like I said, I didn't think I had margin for this in my life, but it's kind of a paradox because by adding some of these practices, by implementing some of these rhythms, it has expanded my, my margin to where I feel compassion for people, but I don't feel empty. I feel full. Um, and again, uh, which allows me to sit and be present with people rather than thinking, man, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I've got one more session today. I can't wait to go home so I can just collapse. Now I feel like I've got more fuel in the tank. I still get tired. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. If you're listening to this soul care practices, the daily desert does not give you superhuman strength. Okay. (laughs) You're still going to be a human. You're still going to get tired. (laughs) Right. You're still going to feel angry and all the stuff you don't want to feel but allows you to be aware. It brings to the surface of your heart and your mind uh, an awareness of how these things are blockages of the heart. And it enables you and gives you tools to remove those blockages, to keep a free flow of the spirit, that that life-giving water, that well of life-giving water, that river of life-giving water Jesus talks about. It, it keeps those blockages from getting stuck there permanently or for, for a length of time. Yeah. Share with us some of the resources that you've been using to implement these processes into your life. Okay. So uh, I mentioned a moment ago, the Soul Care Institute. Um, uh, it's a great, great program. There's the, the retreats are at different locations. So if you're not from our area, my, my retreats are actually in Colorado um, over the, over two years. Um, so it's soulcareinstitute.com. And so that's that's a, a good place to start. Just start investigating that and checking it out. And um, obviously the Bible. Um, so the probably the greatest resource that I've seen some transformation that's helped me with transformation 
is this um, kind of the, the contemplative reading of Scripture we talked about before, the Lectio Divina, has become a daily rhythm. That has been like super impactful for me personally, slowing down and allowing not just reading the Scripture, but allowing the Scripture to read me. It's speaking to me in ways that I didn't allow it to in, in the past because I would just read my chapter or read my verses and click check that I had read the Bible for that day. So that's obviously a big resource. Um, as far as books go, there's a lot of books out. And I would just preface this by saying some of the books and resources that I'm going to mention, um, if you look at them, look at them with an open mind. Okay. There are going to be parts of them, chapters that you might not get anything out of. You might totally disagree with or dislike. That's okay. If you leave with one principle, one thing to, to help you in your relationship with God, then hold on to that. So I'll give you kind of a recent book that I read is uh, not long ago. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And this is by uh, John Mark Comer. It's a pastor from Portland. He takes a lot of these practices we've talked about and puts them in very modern language. I don't know how old he is, but I, I'm going to guess in his 30s. This is a quote he, he has in it from St. Augustine, actually. He says, why do we rush about looking for God who is here at home with us if all we want is to be with him? Hmm. So I took about two months to think about it and pray about it. And the more I kind of opened my heart and mind to it, the more I felt a compulsion to do it. Like this was something that the spirit was like leading me and drawing me into. Um, even though it was going to be a sacrifice, I felt like I had to do it. And so that began my journey. And I said yes and attended our first retreat in February, which was a lot of uh, surprising things. I learned a lot of things that maybe I wasn't expecting experiences. I wasn't expecting, you know, when I think of like a soul care retreat, I think of like sitting in a circle humming or something. <laughs> um, my mind was going like way out there. Like this soul care stuff is probably gonna be really weird. Uh, and honestly, there was some of it that was kind of weird because it was new to me. But with that being said, that began to set a rhythm in my life and help me set some rhythms in my life that began to really empower me to deal with pockets of anger that I was experiencing, um, dealing with tension and frustration in my own life. Um, and then also began to help me just be more present with God and be more present with people, which is really important in the role of a therapist. You need to be present with people. And personally what I've seen happen over this past year is my capacity for compassion and empathy for people has, has grown. Um, I've felt myself at the point of tears and even in tears with clients. And I can't say that I had really ever experienced that before. And the only thing I can attribute that to is that this rhythm and pace that I have felt called into has healed some wounded places in me. And from those places that are, in process of healing, I'm, I'm learning to be compassionate and love people uh, more. Our pace of life, I feel like, makes us hard. Mm, yeah, because it's like we have to we have to protect ourselves just to survive the yeah. pace of life 
that most of us practice, you know? Mm. And so I, I think sometimes that shields us from emotion. Like, Like we can't, because we're so busy and we're so focused on the next thing, mm-hmm. we don't have time to sit with those emotions and identify them and actually feel them. Mm-hmm. So when we're able to set these slower rhythms in our lives, we become aware yeah. of the emotions and the feelings that God's put in us to be able to feel and to be able to be empathetic and to not just for therapists to sit with people, but for us as friends and colleagues and just, humanity to be able to connect with each other on an emotional level. Yeah, for sure. And he speaks like current language. So he talks about how do you slow down with technology today, right? How do you turn things off? And he gives some very practical examples of ways to do that. So that's a great resource, especially for millennials. Okay. Um, another great book is John Eldridge's book, get your life back. I mentioned that in the previous podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I read that late last year, and that's just a fantastic book for the practice of slowing and seeing God in nature and um, being attentive to God's presence in beauty. I love how he writes about seeing God in the beauty of nature. Um, And then the prayer that he shares in that book was so powerful for me, and that's just simply, God, I surrender everyone and everything to you. I pray that prayer often. (laughs) That was a great resource. So some resources on practically applying the principles of soul care. I would say start with an invitation to solitude and silence by Ruth Haley Barton. That's a great book on just the concept of silent prayer and the importance of solitude, what that means. And each chapter ends with questions to help you kind of slow down and discover like self-discovery, self-awareness. How is this applying to my life today? There's also group resources in the back of that book. So if you are really impacted by it, you can turn around and share it with other people in a group setting. Mm -hmm. She also has a book that's great for Christian leaders called Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership. Same author, Ruth Haley Barton. That is fantastic for those that are in any type of church leadership. Uh, I've bought that book for several friends, pastor friends, church leaders, and passed it out just because um, it takes a lot of the, the silence and solitude practices, but it speaks directly to where pastors and church ministry leaders might be and how um, if their unique challenges that they might face, it speaks to that very, very helpful book. I think those are some great, resources to start with um, and start, you know, implementing this stuff. And like you said earlier, if it's just one principle that changes some aspect of your life Mm -hmm. and makes you feel like you're able to connect with God on a deeper level, then that's a success. That's, you know, that's something to be celebrated. And, um, Oh, I just remembered one. You have to get this one. Um, the Way of Jesus by Eugene Peterson. That book is on my short shelf. I will reread that book many times over through my life. Uh, Eugene Peterson, the the author of the, the message translation or version, whatever it is, of the Bible. Excellent author. But he kind of digs more into 
the concept of slowing through uh, modeling our lives after the lifestyle that Jesus actually physically lived on earth. And then he compares that to various leaders during Jesus' time, Herod, Caiaphas, other people, and what their lifestyles probably look like um, through their military um, conquests and the creation of different cultures and cities, and then how Jesus' lifestyle was very slow with rhythms of work and rest. That's an excellent resource. I'll recommend one that's probably a little... um, out of the ordinary is how I'll describe it. Um, this book is is an older book and written quite a bit different than the ones I've just mentioned. Um, I think it was maybe early two thousands, so it's not that old. But the way it was written, it sounds it sounds old. Uh, but it's called Into the Silent Land by Martin Laird. It's a guide to Christ- the Christian practice of contemplation. What spoke to me most in this book was how to deal with distraction. When you're trying to enter into that silent place of prayer and solitude, what do you do with all of those thoughts and emotions that just bounce around your brain like a ping pong ball? Like He gives some very practical tips in this book that are going to help you. We don't need activity to find God. We actually need to stop some of the activity Mm -hmm. and to Mm -hmm. slow down and recognize that God is here with us. I think it would be safe for us to assume that Jesus didn't rush. Um, We may have mentioned this in one of the other episodes where he's on his way to heal Jairus' daughter, right? He's interrupted by the woman with the issue of blood. Mm -hmm. And he's not in a hurry. I mean, this is a bad situation. And, you know, I'm thinking lights flashing, clear the way, make a hole, right? (laughs) Get him on the fastest donkey in town and rush him. And he's walking and then someone else comes to him and he stops and he's present with them. So I think those examples just show that Jesus lived such a healthy rhythm that even in the face of crisis, there wasn't panic. And I think that response to stress and problems and pain in his world came from those desert places, those places where he resolved uh, in himself what his purpose was, what his calling was. It was in those times of silence and solitude that all the fear, anxiety, um, anything that he was experiencing in his humanity was settled and he would leave those places with peace And the Bible often talks about how he was determined or he set his face to move to Jerusalem or he would, they just uses this language. Like he, he settled it in quiet. He settled it in silence and solitude. And then when he came out of those places, nothing shook him or rattled him. Yeah. If somebody were to ask you to think back through your life and think about some of your favorite moments Chances are some of your favorite moments are probably when you're on vacation resting (laughs) for sure, you know? And so the fact that we live the majority of our lives frustrated Mm. living for that one or two weeks a year where we're on vacation 
and you know we can rest our minds and we can not have the responsibilities of normal life mm-hmm. um, that tells me that something else in my life needs to shift yeah. because i don't want to i don't want to look back on my life and say oh yeah i lived every year for those 2 weeks yeah. that i got to take off and so the way we do that is by establishing these healthy riz- rhythms and putting margin in our life for the quiet and for the still and that in turn trickles down to every other part of our life because I've seen it working for you. I've seen, you know, I've watched you walking through this. Um, I'm trying, but I'm still a work in progress. Um, but I have, you know, I've watched you and how it has settled. It's been settling for you. Like we said before, if it's one principle that you pull from all this and are able to bring some sort of rhythmic consistency to your life, then man, mm-hmm. then it's been a success for you. We're definitely going to be having more conversations about this because this is um, a work in progress for us, something we're growing in and mm-hmm. something that we're definitely exploring and trying to implement into our lives so that we can live in that that healthy realm of having healthy rhythms and, and quiet times with the Lord that really, really change who we are. Yeah. And then we're, it's just kind of a beginning. You know, we have a lot of resources and experiences to share with people because we're very passionate about this. But uh, every day feels like you're starting over. And that's been my prayer through this process continually is that God will keep hitting the refresh button Mm -hmm. and keep every day letting me wake up with a fresh passion, a fresh curiosity. Um, So it is a journey and we're just starting. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to us growing in this. Well, we hope you have enjoyed the series. And if you have any questions, um, look in the show notes that are attached to this podcast and you'll find ways to connect with us either on Instagram or Facebook. We'd love to talk more about this with you. And if you have any questions to help walk you through and get you started, you know, implementing some healthy rhythms in your life. And we hope that you will Um, join us again soon. Thank you so much for listening. Would you do me a favor and share this with someone you think could be helped by what we've shared today and drop a comment down below. Also, click subscribe so you can be made aware of any new content. You can also visit my website, plantedandflourishing.com and follow me on Facebook at Planted and Flourishing or on Instagram at plant.flourish. I hope you'll join us again soon.